the name of the values that keep you alive do not let your vision of man be distorted by the ugly, the cowardly, the mindless, and those who have never achieved his title. Do not lose your knowledge that man's proper estate is an upright posture, an intransigent mind, and a step that travels on limited roads. Do not let your fire go out sparked by replacing the spark and hope the swamps of the approximate are not quite the not yet and not at all. The world you desired can be won. It exists. It is real. It is possible. It's yours. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cryptoconomy Podcast. Today I'm sitting down with Victor Wong, the CEO of SparkleCoin. So Victor, thank you so much for being here. Uh, thanks Mark for uh, the invitation and the opportunity. Really appreciate it. So SparkleCoin, I think, is it's a really interesting currency that's doing a great job of straddling the line between consumer and business-facing cryptocurrencies. Um, so before we get into a little bit more about SparkleCoin, I was hoping you might be able to talk a little bit about some of your previous entrepreneurial endeavors and how you think they might have prepared you for SparkleCoin. Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, I've always wanted to be a futurist, a technologist, and an entrepreneur. So that's kind of what I uh, uh, shaped my college career to be. Uh, one of the companies that, uh, first companies I had of some notoriety uh, was back in the late 90s. We were one of four or five U.S. companies uh, that were authorized by Apple to make uh, Macintosh clone computers. Some of you may remember that era. And uh, <clears throat> at that point, we actually created and produced the world's most powerful Mac OS computers uh, up until that point. So on the hardware side, we were right there with the emergence of the uh, Macintosh computers and its, uh, I guess, uh, re-emergence into the world uh, right as Steve Jobs was coming back on the hardware side. On the software side, we also created one of the first um, kind of enterprise-level business management software uh, ERP system that utilized web objects and we had a web interface and remember this is back in the late 90s so we were so far yeah. ahead uh, of everybody and uh, <clears throat> that solution was one that Apple also utilized and offered to its uh, uh, enterprise customers so that company kind of and working with Apple uh, in that close-knit kind of uh, arrangement uh, really uh, taught me the, the, you know ecospheres making products that work uh, they're seamless and easy and, uh, and, and the whole kind of mentality. So um, that's been kind of the backbone of the things I do as far as the characteristics of how we do things. Uh, after the cloning uh, of the computers and everything was, was done with Apple, I looked at new technologies and what I've you know, become an expert in uh, for what we do is to look at new technologies to create mass market products that are easy to use that then can be uh, given to uh, the average person to make their lives better. So we kind of look, <clears throat> looked at at that point what was going on and digital music was coming into play. So we were the first company to create uh, a keyboard, a musical keyboard with a computer built inside of it that kind of helped usher in the whole using computers for music production and performance. Uh, everybody used our equipment to produce their music because now you can do it all in one instrument instead of going to a big studio and spending yeah, yeah. tons of money. Um, so Madonna, Maroon 5, Prince, Korn, Faith Hill, Timbaland, everything he wrote, uh, all utilize our uh, keyboards to produce their music and also to perform. Uh, you know, for example, Prince, you know, his you know, Super Bowl performance, all those keyboards on stage were uh, ones that we created for him. 
And as a matter of fact, we gave him a 24 karat gold keyboard uh, <laughs> that that you know that he kept at Paisley Park in his bedroom, really? and that's yeah, what he composed cool. on. So wow. so that's a, that's a second <laughs> that must thing. Must feel cool. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool. Uh, and that keyboard's still around. So um, you know we, we we're, we're very happy that's that's uh, still there. Um, so that was the second time. Uh, we looked at new technologies and said, "Hey, how does that? How can we use this new technology to make it, you know, uh, a, a usable thing for everybody?" And that leads to 2015, uh, when we looked at blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies, and we said, "Hey, this is yet another great new technology that needs to be wrangled and needs to be understood, and and real products that are usable needs to be created for the mass market." And that, that's how all this relates to Sparklecoin. Yeah, so it seems like you've really had sort of a twofold strategy in a lot of your companies. One, it's accessibility, and then, you know, firstly, you started learning a bit about B2B and working with really large companies, and both of those seem to be what Sparklecoin is doing. So how do you think some of those ideas make Sparklecoin different? Um, well, I think the difference is we're um, product and solutions-based. Uh, the vast majority of cryptocurrency are more so now blockchain development companies, and there's a billion of them, all talk <laughs> about going out and doing something. We can do this for you, we can consult with you, we can create this. But there's very few companies that I know of that actually create products. Uh, we're, we're doing that. SparkleCoin obviously, ha we own our own blockchain, we didn't use ERC20. From uh, Ethereum, nothing wrong with that. Didn't but, just copy paste code. Yeah. <laughs> but we need to have control over our blockchain in the sense that if we need to make modifications, adjustments, advancements that are more business centric, because uh, Ethereum's blockchain is not necessarily business centric, we needed to be able to do that. So we created that uh, to a certain extent. Now all this still stems from you know the grandfather everything, which is Bitcoin. So we didn't write the entire algorithm, but we 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 didn't just copy and paste uh, an yeah. ERC twenty. Um, so that's one thing. <laughs> the second thing also is in creating, you know, products. Um, you know, as, as we can discuss, you know, we, we once we had our blockchain, we create Sparklecoin, which is hybrid coin, a product, right? For us, as a product, and then we talk about data encryption. We talk about uh, you know, all these other things that we're doing, and these are actually not concepts and uh, uh, projects to uh, develop for other people. Uh, we've actually created an actual product for, that can be utilized in a very simple way. So, I mean, you talked about how it's a hybrid. So, you know, on your website it talks about a hybrid of proof of work and proof of state, stake. Sorry. Um, so I was wondering how you guys kind of came up with mining economics. Um, I don't even know exactly how mining works. I think uh, David, your CFO, might have mentioned it was ASIC-based. Uh, we're working on some consumer-facing miners, so this stuff is something that's really interested me later. Uh, recently, I'm sorry. So I was wondering what, how you decided on some of those sure. ideas and what it means for the person who doesn't really know what any of those. Sure, words. there's a very basic concept of blockchains and cryptocurrencies uh, that no one's talked about, and it's been crazy that no one's talked about it. But we can discuss that here, and that is the economics behind a blockchain. You know, if you don't have miners that provide the processing power, the hash power for your blockchain, you don't have a platform and from there you have nothing to build upon it. So there has to be some economics, not just all technology, because you've got the, the blockchain, uh, cryptocurrency blockchain guys, you know, all they talk about is the technology, the technology, the technology. I don't think they understand the economics behind it. Well, yeah, you know, absolutely. And then I was an economics major uh, you know, in, in, in school, so the, the, the thing is, 
there has to be some kind of currency, some kind of token that rewards people because they're buying the equipment to for mining, they're having to pay for electricity and their and their time and effort. And so they have to have some kind of things like a cryptocurrency that they can then earn by mining and then uh, change it into you know other commodities like buying products with it or even selling it to another individual for fiat currency. So that, that, that has to be there. And once you understand that has to be there, then you understand that with any new cryptocurrency or new blockchain, ultimately we're talking about the blockchain, the cryptocurrency is just a side effect of the blockchain. But the, so what you need to do is to be able to have processing power for that blockchain. So what we did was we said the quickest way to get processing power is to entice miners with the ability to mine for coins, meaning that through their effort and their equipment, they can get and earn Sparkle coins, in our case, that they can utilize for uh, compensation. But the problem with that is, uh, like with Bitcoin, uh, is what's going through is it gets exponentially more and more expensive and more people join in to compete for those coins. So the resources get much, much larger, the electricity consumption gets larger, and it becomes a decreasing return. And so what we understood was the long tail of this would be POS, which is for minting, because at that point uh, people are rewarded, but they're not having this kind of escalation in processing power and electricity and hardware usage to be able to be rewarded for it. So we have, we have the two-step processes. We have a very steep ramp up for getting people on board to get the processing power because they get rewarded for mining. But that tapers off after a, a time period and then it, it funnels into the POS, which is minting, so that it's, uh, it's a case where we have the best of both worlds. Yeah, you know, I have a lot of respect for sort of the beautiful incentive system that mining worked out for people. And I think it's sort of a shame that so many people are trying to move away from it just because I, I like how well it works and how decentralized things were able to be as a result. So do you think you're going to see going forward more hybrid chains? Do you think mining is sort of just the, the stepping stone to proof of work and that's eventually going to be, or proof of stake, sorry, and that's eventually going to be more of the future? I think that all depends on the uh, particular project's business uh, strategy and plans. For some people, mining doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. You know, we, we're, we're you know, um, looking and speaking with uh, um, corporations that can't <clears throat> utilize mining in the traditional sense because they want all their data yeah, to be centralized, centralized and not decentralized. So, you know, it's, it's a centralized, decentralized uh, network, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, it's a case-by-case case basis. But I think, I think that it's, it is a very beautiful system in a sense that people can provide their excess time and energy and things like that and, and, and come together to, to create, you know, a massive amount of processing power that can then be utilized, whereas it would be maybe wasted because, you know, all this is time relevant. You know, one second that you're not usually utilizing that processing power, that goes away. You never get that back, yeah, yeah. right? So I think it, it, it's, it's going to keep going. Uh, I think it's going to keep growing uh, along with the other, uh, uh, the other kind of technologies for you know, providing hash power to a, a blockchain. Yeah, no, I certainly agree. And we're what we're trying to do is hopefully decentralize mining a bit, make it more consumer facing, more accessible for people who want to fiddle around on a small scale, uh, just to play with the technology. And I'm hoping mining decentralizes a bit from some of these super large players that you know are owning uh, 
massive amounts of market share in really what is supposed to be more of a decentralized uh, community and industry. Um, but with that, I guess I wanted to pivot a little bit to talk about, you know, SparkleCoin, the actual name itself, and what you guys were trying to do with diamonds. Sure. Um, well, obviously, Sparkle alludes to the sparkling of the diamonds, and we thought that was yeah. a catchy thing for people to remember. Yeah. But in the whole economics, I and mean, when we designed this, we looked at it from different points of view, from a technology point of view, and from an economic uh, point of view, and also from a social point of view. Again, you know, Apple training, right? So we, we think that we had a wider vision of what we're doing uh, is than most other projects out there because of how we've operated and the way that we do things. And, and, and having said that, the, one of the things we wanted to do was to say, well, in, in getting people to participate and to understand that because of the coin is going to be used in actually, you know, Vcoin Mall and places to purchase products, it, it can't be worth a fraction of a penny. Right, yeah. like so, when Bitcoin started, you know, I think somebody, you know, once joked about you know ordering a pizza and, and paying ten bitcoins yeah. for it. Thought that was yeah. a great deal, right? Yeah. So, so imagine if someone's trying to buy a new TV that's a thousand dollars and a coin's worth a fraction of a penny. Well, you have to have a huge amount of coins out there, yeah. which in itself, in itself, is not a bad situation unless you're an economics major. In which case, you're saying, "Wow, look how many coins are out there. You're going to have huge." huge inflation because yeah. there's so many coins out there. So economically, it didn't make sense to do that. So what we said was we wanted the first buyers to feel comfortable purchasing Sparkle Coins at at least $5, which is a reasonable price for the coin. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and for that, we wanted to give them some assurance short term as a safety net that, you know, that, that, that so that they would participate. So we said for uh, the coin, we would back every Sparkle coin with $5 worth of diamonds, GI certified diamonds, uh, until the economy, until the, the, the community really took part and, and, and embraced what we were doing, and the price of Sparkle coin got past $25 or got to $25, in which case it was, 20, it was five times the back amount, in which case we didn't need the, uh, the uh, training wheels anymore. So that's why we did what we did. And, uh, and was able to get the price of Sparkle Coin to a reasonable price uh, during the ICO and after the ICO. Yeah, I remember it, it shot up really quickly, so <laughs> I imagine that wasn't too much of a, a problem for too long since you guys reached $25 fairly quickly, I believe. Yeah, again, we looked at this holistically from multiple points of views and not just a single, you know, single facet, which most other projects were doing. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of these ICOs I talk to, you notice they say a lot, but they really don't meet any of the sort of development goals. They've got these really ambitious timelines that they never meet. Um, but on your end, you guys have been really consistent about hitting these timelines that I've seen, these benchmarks. Um, and so I wanted to talk, you know, about a few of those things. Maybe we can start first with Vcoin Mall, because I think that would be, I guess, the first product, um, you could say, that you guys put out. Yeah, it's, uh, and uh, the Vcoin Mall, the concept and idea was we wanted to provide, we, when we looked at cryptocurrencies, we said, and this is 2015, what, is, what are cryptocurrencies going to be based on? Well, we understood that it has to be based on an economy, right? Just like any kind of currency out there. And what constitutes the economy? Uh, what constitutes the economy is really transactions, right? Buying, selling, exchange of, of, of value 
from one person to another, or yeah. you know, and, and that that's what an economy is. Yeah. yeah so we we want we built the three companies around uh, this uh, ecosphere for the economy. So the online mall was going to be a big generator into that economy, and uh, we also saw that it was not so easy even today for people to purchase products from major e-tailers like Amazon and Walmart yeah, uh, you know, with cryptocurrency. And, and because we have the technology, we own a blockchain, we have programming staff, and we understand the technology side for blockchain, we understand the economic side of, you know, of doing business, and we also have uh, experts in transaction programming uh, for uh, enterprise uh, uh, financial networks. It just made sense for us to do that. And, and my background is, is also mail order. The first company I worked for out of college was one of the largest Mac OS uh, uh, mail order companies uh, at that time. So, you know, 25 years of, of knowledge in that played right into what we're doing. So Vcoin Mall will be sort of a portal into retail. Is that a good description? You'll have, you know, various retailers posting, I guess, products that can be bought exclusively with SparkleCoin? Will you open it up to other cryptos? Um, how are you going to organize it? Well, we uh, Vcoin Mall uh, is going to launch by offering products, uh, limited sets of products uh, from uh, Walmart and Amazon as the two large e-tailers. And, uh, and shortly after that, within probably a month or so, uh, we have a number of independent uh, stores that will also come online that are not the big e-tailers. Um, and, and the products that we're going to select uh, for this is, uh, it actually makes it a lot easier to buy from us uh, because we only select products that have four stars or higher rating. That is, uh, let's say for example, Amazon Prime, so we know that's gone through some kind of due diligence with them so they, they understand the product's good. And, and also, the, uh, the, uh, um, so that the products are going to be the vast majority of what people want of the highest quality. Um, the other thing also with, with the mall is, is that it makes it very seamless and the coins that we're going to accept is uh, Bitcoin, Ether, and SparkleCoin uh, to, uh, to pay for products and serve uh, products on uh, Vcoin Mall. Okay. I would say be careful about the uh, Amazon Prime <laughs> stuff because I did, my, uh, I did a thesis in Denmark about all the counterfeiters that are getting through their, their ranks and it's pretty interesting to see how people are gaming that system. Yeah, we, 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 uh, I actually have seen how they're doing that and, and Amazon, Amazon's gone through and tried to eliminate a lot of that so their new policies do shift on a lot of those like you know people getting like huge amounts of reviews and how they're getting those reviews and things like that but yeah yeah, yeah I know exactly. the top Timberland boot seller is selling fake boots the guy who sold the most Timberland boots on Amazon in the world you know I ordered some pairs did oh some, no <laughs> yeah I was amazed he sold I by my numbers something like 250,000 pairs of these boots right. Um, yeah, that's crazy. You know, um, just as, as an aside, we haven't made this announcement yet, but we actually have a product that will be coming out that uh, people like Timbaland or, 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 or uh, you know, Nike or, or Louis Vuitton can utilize that will tell them exactly who's selling uh, counterfeit or fake uh, I mean, products. Blockchain is an excellent application. Exactly. It, exactly. It'll do it in real time. And they'll know exactly, and, and it, it just goes out and finds it all for them. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll make that announcement in, in the near future. <laughs> well, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, so I know you guys are giving away a uh, Ferrari for Vcoin Mall. I think that's a really interesting market marketing promotion. How did you guys sort of decide on that, and where are you at with that promotion? Have, have you seen it? 
yeah. a lot of interest? Yes, um, we were sitting there saying, well, how do we get eyes on Vicor Mall, you know, uh, because there's so much noise, right? We, we were coming out with this late last year is when we started promoting And we said, well, you know, let's give away something. You know, people will always pay attention to some kind of giveaway. And then we said, well, what about an iMac, you know, or iBook or something, an iPad? And we're like, that's not significant enough. Yeah. And then as a joke, because the whole, you know, Lamborghini, Ferrari <laughs> thing with cryptocurrency, it's like, yeah. we can just give away a, a Lamborghini. So then the next thing we know, we're on, you know, literally two minutes later on, on eBay looking for Lamborghinis. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good day at the office. Yeah. And then, and then we found one, but then we're like, yeah, you know, it's not as nice as we want. And then just at the same time, we stumbled upon this yellow Ferrari, which looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it was in really good shape. It had like, you know, extra like $40,000 worth of upgrades on top of the Ferrari. And so we're like, all right, we're doing this. And, you know, took a quick took a quick vote at the office. People thought, you know, I was crazy, but you know, everybody kind of put up their hand, like, yeah, this is a good idea. So next day, we, me and a friend of ours, in my mind, flew out to Las Vegas, handed a guy, uh, went to the bank, gave him a check, and drove back uh, to Austin with the Ferrari. <laughs> well, my name's in that giveaway, so I'm hoping. Yeah, it's a great car. It uh, looks fantastic. It drives well, so it's uh, it's good. Well, I think I mean I think that's great. It's cool that companies are having to come up with some creative marketing strategies because I know marketing generally in this space has been pretty difficult. Have you have you come up against some of those challenges? Has it been hard to get exposure because you know so many people are trying to in this industry right now? Yeah, you know when we first did our ICO, um, we hired the second largest PR firm in the U.S. to handle our PR, and they had they even brought in. You know, won't mention the person's name, an ex-VP of one of the major networks, mm-hmm. and they called in all kinds of favors. But at that point, you know, no one wanted to talk about any ICOs. Yeah. You know, and 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 then so the, the, no mainstream press was going to pick anything up. Then we had to go to the kind of um, more direct blockchain and ICO type websites. And in that world is really bad because there's no such thing as a separation of church and state. Yeah. You know, there's there's no editorial department and advertising department. It's all the same, right? Yeah. So unless you pay, you, the velvet rope doesn't open, you don't get your press release in there. So, you know, we, we had to pay a significant amount of money to get the whatever news we got out there. We, we were pretty successful in doing that, but the, the, the price tag was outrageous. Yeah. You know, and, and everybody, and it was an escalating thing because they had, they had a certain amount of inventory of banner space and stuff, and they just kept charging more and more and more. So and everybody who was doing an ICO or whatever press release had to do that. So to be honest, and this sounds crazy, it's less expensive for us to give away the Ferrari yeah. than, than to pay those sites because we get buried with everybody else. There's no uniqueness to it, and we don't control the content. We do on this side. So it's been extremely, uh, 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 you know, extremely effective for us. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly, we've noticed that a lot. We've had a lot of people reach out about running paid stories on our news website. And, you know, essentially they just sort of want you to shill for them. And then yeah. you sort of lose credibility. And that's the problem is a lot of the people reading these articles think that essentially they have some sort of stamp of approval. But it's right. really just whoever has the biggest check to write in some cases. Sure. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I no. mean, if, you, there's, that's, if that's the game you have to play to get your legitimate news out, then that's the game you play. But, yeah. you know, for example, we, as crazy as it seems, you know, we, we partnered with uh, Veloz Music, 
And uh, they actually wrote a song, Yellow Rari. It's actually a really good <laughs> song. Cool. Yeah. It's a really good song. And, and uh, you know, and uh, they just ran a, uh, a Instagram post with uh, World Stop Hip Hop this morning. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and uh, just uh, the followers on Bitcoin Mall jumped 16,000 people in three hours. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's a unique kind of thing. That's a unique kind of market and things like that. But to go back to everything, at the end of the day, it's about getting the word out for Vcore Mall because the more people that use Vcore Mall, the more efficient it's going to be and the better offerings and the better kind of uh, uh, specials we can provide for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and on the, on the marketing agency side, you know, all these marketing agencies that a lot of these ICOs are hiring, most of what they're doing is pretty much sending guys like me emails to get them on podcasts. Yeah, exactly. At this point. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with that, I mean, we can talk a little bit about sort of your next product, uh, which I would say is Sparkle Track. So Sparkle Track is more supply chain. Um, so what industries are you focused on with supply chain and how do you plan on actually implementing it? Because people say the word, you know, blockchain, supply chain all mm -hmm. the time, but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean a lot you know it's all about the implementation sure. it's about making sure on the ground everything right. is organized right so yeah I mean that's a difficult proposition for most companies uh, that are larger so we're looking at smaller companies at this point and the reason why is you know remember as I was telling you my history you know back in the late 90s we, we created an ERP system which is basically supply chain yeah. uh, and it was enterprise that used web objects from Apple and so we have a history of knowing how to do that uh, in, in, in the highest level. And, and when you have legacy systems, uh, it's very hard to replace a legacy supply chain system, even though it may be the most inefficient thing on the planet, because that means that it, it basically creates tear huge, you tear everything apart. So, so what we, we do is now we do supply chain for smaller projects, but then we also integrate bits and pieces of our blockchain technologies into the existing uh, 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 supply chain uh, kind of process for companies. So that's where things like Sparkle Lock, which is the uh, data secured side, in addition to the time stamping and, and, and the tracking, is really the first tentative step into large corporate supply chain. But you know, I don't know of any company out there that's of any size, any Fortune 500 companies for sure, that's gonna say, hey, Today we're going to go ahead and switch over to blockchain, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, supply chain. That's just not going to happen. So it's it's very in it's it's very in its very infancy, and we're probably going to see a whole lot more uh, in the next five and ten years. And what's going to happen is, you know, and and this is a terrible thing, but if they need to track some kind of you know bad fruit or some kind of a batch of medicine that's gone bad and becomes a critical issue, that's really when the companies will move because they're not going to move normally. Um, but uh, you know, the, it's all about numbers and money. The minute, the minute that something happens, that's going to cost them more than if they had a supply chain on a block based on blockchain technologies. That's when they'll actually switch. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because there was a um, marijuana company in Canada who almost contracted us to do a blockchain supply chain project for them, and they ended up going with the lower bid, and you know, didn't work out. The guy who yeah. was you know in charge of the project got fired. Um, but as far as marijuana, that's one place I've heard it a lot, and then also, you know, rare earth metals, things like that. Exactly. Uh, marijuana, I think, is an interesting industry, especially in California here, because I know the state just essentially recalled 
every dispensary's product so that they can do testing. Right. Um, so I know, you know, that's a good small, an industry that's small now and growing without a lot of infrastructure that I'm sure needs it, especially in the regulatory context. Yeah, I mean, newer newer companies um, and newer projects are are going to end up being more efficient and in some instances be able to grow a lot faster uh, and, uh, and and better than the existing behemoth companies out there because they, they, they can take the new technologies. They can, they're, they're the fast, you know, they're, they're, the, they're the new mammals in the business world versus the old, you know, dinosaurs that's already been established. Yeah, yeah. They can yeah. move quicker yeah. and faster right. than their feet. Right. So I know you guys just announced Sparkle Lock and a big partnership. So what is Sparkle Lock? Sparkle Lock, and you know, I guess just sort of a similar synopsis with that. Yeah, Sparkle Lock. I mean, with everything that's going on with big data these days, you know, everything from Facebook to to you know, people getting their databases hacked, iCloud have been hacked, and everybody's been hacked. It's a situation that has to do with with security of, of the data, um, and you know you would be surprised at how much data is floating around that's very sensitive data that's not encrypted and, and, and certainly not you know uh, further uh, uh, protected with a blockchain hash so what we said was we hear everybody talk about that and when we really sat down and looked at it technology wise it's you know we, we were able to do it we said hey because we're coming from the Apple world let's just create a product so we actually created a actual product where it's almost like uh, if you can imagine Dropbox with encryption and also blockchain protection, that's what we've created. And it's a product. It's not a, hey, let us come you know, develop this for you. Let us customize for you. It's basically, here it is, go use it kind of deal. So you can drop any data, whether it's an a image or, a, or an audio file or even an application uh, into our interface. And it, it basically encrypts it from the point of where the device is before it goes anywhere. So it's point to point. And then it pushed a hash on the Sparkle Coin blockchain, uh, in which case then the, uh, um, the um, uh, rest of the data is then sent to whatever database is being used to store everything. And, uh, and, uh, and it just works you know, that seamlessly. And again, it's a concept that people have talked about, but we actually have an actual product. So when you say the database, where exactly is this? Is this database something that you guys own? Are you guys sort of hosting like Dropbox would just have, you know, these centers where it's being put in some sort of a cloud, or is it a decentralized storage system? Uh, well, we have different versions of uh, um, Sparkle Lock. So you know, the business version uh, would basically it would we would be able to have that version talk to whatever database the company may be using. So it could be something internal with them that's in their own servers, that's sitting in their own closet in, in their office, or it could be Google Cloud or AWS. Uh, and then for enterprise and certainly private enterprise, they'll have their own databases and, you know, and, and you know, maybe co-location servers, and we can talk to them. So it's very flexible on the back end where that data sits. layer of protection, I guess you'd say. Yeah, we, we see Sparkle Lock as a dual layer uh, protection for data. Uh, that's a kind of front end, uh, point to point, dual layer protection for data. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's certainly a problem, and a lot of companies have <laughs> had to address it recently. So I'm sure, you know, they're looking for some of these things. But how would, you, you know, I guess, how would you differentiate that? So we've had a lot of other company, or a lot of other, I guess, representatives from companies talking about 
strategies to protect data. So what are the major vulnerabilities that you think are out there right now? Um, well, I think the major vulnerability is that the data is traveling from the source device unencrypted. That's a huge, you know, huge uh, <coughs> uh, gaping problem there. So, so we encrypt everything from the point of where the, the leaves the, the device. And then the other thing is also finding that data. So the location of that data is, is on as uh, hashed uh, on the blockchain. And what adds to what we've done is we actually have file management uh, or data management built in. So, you know, as you're as you're uploading the data and it's doing all this, you know, protection automatically, you can you can have groups, you can have you know subgroups, and you can say, hey, you know, this data is now named X Y Z is on the blockchain. It's announced to the group that this is available. I can, as the owner, select that and send an uh, 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 authorization to download. Uh, the uh, the data and to decrypt it. It's a two-step process to anyone in my group. But as it sits there tomorrow, the next day, and someone from the group goes, I need this, let's say, for example, patient's file. I need this patient's file. They can make a request through our interface back to the owner of the actual data, and the owner sees the request. He or she can approve or disapprove of it, and then once they approve of it, then the system automatically knows to allow the requesting person to uh, be able to download that information. And of course, because it's on the blockchain, all the access and time, uh, it's timestamp, it's all there as a record of, you know, as an audit trail of who accessed what when. So these are all kind of small bits and pieces that doesn't sound like a whole lot of, you know, technology and things individually, but when you put it together like what we've done, it becomes something incredible, just like Apple. Apple, when you look at what they do on an individual piece basis, it's like, oh, that's nothing special, and that's nothing special. But because of how they put it together and how they made it so seamless and easy to use, they create a better solution. So that's what we've done. So a lot of the products you've talked about, they seem you know, partially focused towards business, but are they focused, would you say, more towards domestic business? Are you pursuing you know, international partnerships? How have you approached sort of dichotomy between domestic and international cryptocurrency companies? Well, we, we a lot of companies like to sit there and say, well, we're a B2B or we're B2C or, or whatever it is. We, we don't see things that way. Uh, and it's kind of strange because, you know, it, being you know involved in the Internet and, and things like that at the very, very onset of when all this was going on, you know, we see things as just person to person. It's, we just see it as communication and transfer of data. At the end of the day, it's all about zeros and ones being transferred, no matter what you're, if you're talking about cryptocurrency, if you're talking about a picture, it's all zeros and ones. So for us, we're, we're, we don't see it as a specific, specific business model. But you know, given the world and how things are today, people communicate with each other on a personal basis, on a business basis, in the US, overseas. It's so seamless. A lot of times, you don't even know who you're talking to. Yeah. let's say on social media because it's from anywhere else. But what one common thread that is prevalent is it has to be easy to use, it has to be effective, and it has to be seamless. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's the way it works because your average person is not an expert and they don't care, they don't have the time to do the research and become an expert to use some kind of a, you know, archaic crazy system. It just needs to be easy to use. So that's what we really focus on doing. And as far as protection of data, I mean, that's an important thing all around for everybody. You know, a, a picture may be of great importance to an individual, 
and a company doesn't care about it, but a patient's record to a company may be ultimately uh, important to them. But as far as we're concerned, it just happens to be a grouping of zeros and ones that we need to help them protect. Yeah, no, I, I certainly agree with that. So do you think uh, certain companies, uh, well, I guess, better way to phrase it is, how, how did you guys decide on your fundraising strategy? And, uh, you know, I know you guys were one of the first, I guess, more fully regulated ICOs, I believe. So uh, how did you approach that domestically in this sort of regulatory environment? Was it difficult to do? Um, and then after the ICO process, how did you find it was different, you know, managing the funds of a company uh, that had raised money from an ICO and who's, you know, had, just by definition, you're going to have more volatility in certain sort of prices and things like that. How have you managed all of those things? Well, I mean, as you know, this is all kind of uh, uh, the Wild West. And, and yeah. we were slightly different because, you know, I have existing businesses that are, you know, successful. Uh, and we didn't say, hey, let's get together and create this company. It was an exploratory, it was, we're exploring a new technology just like we've done in the past, and the company was a subsequent uh, result of that. It wasn't uh, the other way around. And so we've privately funded, you know, me and the companies I own, you know, the development of virtually everything, uh, the, all the, the things that we've promoted uh, on the, in the ecosphere, uh, you know, since 2015 on our own. So we could have done it without an ICO. But we, it was necessary to do an ICO, and this sounds crazy, not to raise funds. It was necessary to create an ICO so that Sparkle Coin can exist, so that we can create the coin economy, again, like what I discussed earlier on, so that the coin economy can provide the, the, the foundation that can support the actual blockchain that lets us continue to do the work that we need to do. That, the ICO for us was not about the money. We didn't do a long run, run away of the ICO and try to maximize the money in the ICO. We were actually, we didn't care about the money in the ICO, but we knew we had to do it. And because if we didn't go through that route and go through those steps, SparkleCoin wouldn't exist. And if SparkleCoin wouldn't exist and had a value, then we couldn't get miners. And if there was no miners, we had no uh, a, a blockchain. And with no blockchain, we couldn't do any of the products we wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, you got to get, it seems like the most successful coins really do a good job of building a community. They find, you know, you have to get people essentially uh, somehow into your ecosystem so that they have skin in the game and so that they can start using it. And it seems like the ICOs have been a great way to do that and essentially disperse them into the economy. Um, yeah, in our case, it was kind of weird because we started, our, we just started to grow our uh, our uh, community. We had a small community that supported us for our ICO, but we didn't we didn't go out and do airdrops. We didn't go do this. We didn't do go a bunch of places. We didn't beg people. We didn't lie to them about what we we're doing, like a lot of ICOs are doing. And and all these things to get a large community to support us because we had certain timelines that we had to meet. We had to meet certain timelines. For the operation of the exchange for our licensing, uh, we had to, you know, uh, create the model at a certain timeline, and we had to be first in the technology which we believe we've achieved in these different areas, and that was the most important thing for us. So we knew the community would come afterwards, but we didn't care about the community or building a huge community during our ICO. That's why we we went through the we we did. You know, we had probably 20, 30 days before we did the ICO out of a TechCrunch Disrupt, where we did it live there, and then and that was it, because our goal was always always about the product and everything else, and the community would come after it. If you think again, Apple, right? 
Apple doesn't go and and, and blab about what they're making. They're not going to do a bunch of hype about what they're doing so they can build a community a community around a new product. Steve, I work the same way as him, wouldn't say anything until, hey, by the way, there's one more thing. Here's this fantastic new product, right? So, and by the way, it's ready. It's, it, you can order it tomorrow and it's going to ship. And, and so that's how we've done it. We, we said, let's go create the products. And then let's make sure that people understand, unlike people who talk about doing things, we've actually done it. And then once we have the product, then the people will come. And that's where we are today. And so the people, the people who are coming, do you think people are becoming more open-minded about cryptocurrencies? Do you think we'll get to a point where more people will start investing in them as sort of a part of their portfolios? Is that what you think, you know, what you hope will happen? Or do you think that's sort of some time off and people still need some education? Well, I mean, there's a, a very small portion of the public that actually has uh, purchased cryptocurrencies. Uh, and, you know, and that was fairly, uh, that was growing fairly rapidly all in you know, the last couple of years. But, you know, as of probably December of last year and certainly throughout this, this, this year, there's a lot of negativity about cryptocurrencies, obviously because of all the scams that people are pulling um, and countries banning them and, and all this uncertainty about it. And, and so I think that's put a big damper on this. But I think it was necessary. You know, there, there has to be some, some protection for the public. There has to be some you know, kind of governance in the way that these things are. Um, they shouldn't be over-governed, but there's got to be some basic rules. And, uh, and, and until those rules are in place and enforced and, and your traditional uh, you know, uh, uh, public uh, feels comfortable with it, you're not going to have the mass amount of people buying cryptocurrency that everybody had hoped was going to happen. Is, is that going to happen in the future? Well, I mean, it, it's hard to say, but one example i like to, 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 to put out there because we were there is when Napster came out and, and MP3s and all that. And, and everybody went crazy over, at least the college kids did, and sharing became huge. The general public didn't understand it, and the record labels hated it. Um, and then all of a sudden, it was made illegal, and the RIAA went after everybody, saw them, and everybody took a step back and said, oh my God, this is over. No one's going to use this. There'll be no more sharing. There's no way to monetize this. And look what MP3s are today. They're the de facto standard for music uh, consumption and, and transfer. So. I, I see this as analogous to that. We're now at the stage where everybody's taking a step back because it's taken its first hit, and, and it's going to correct itself. And I don't think cryptocurrency is going to go away. Uh, is it going to be the preferred investment uh, or purchases of, of commodity in the future? Time will tell. But you know, with technologies like this, as fluid as this, and once the genie's out of the bottle, it's not going to be stopped. Yeah, I feel like Napster is actually a really excellent example that I hadn't really thought about. And I guess you just sort of need to get to a place where the industry can catch up with the disruption to the point where they don't all put themselves out of business. Exactly. <laughs> right. And we're saying the same thing. You know, certain bank chains, I won't go into them, and investment companies that were losing tons of money have gone on the offensive about what cryptocurrency is and, and, and sway government agencies to, to make certain announcements or at least you know, do certain things worldwide. Um, but that was very analogous to, to the record labels. And look what happened to the record labels. They got creamed. And you know who's ruling the record world, the, the music world right now? It's people like iTunes and you know, Spotify. 
and Pandora and, 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 and things like that because that's, these are the companies that understood the technology and was able to then to pick up the pieces that got shattered and broken on the ground to put something new together that becomes the new status quo. And that's what's happening now with cryptocurrencies. And that's sort of a great segue to my last question, which is going to be, you know, you talked about getting into blockchain as sort of an exploratory, uh, exploratory venture. So are there any other industries or technologies that you're exploring right now that you think are interesting aside from blockchain and cryptocurrencies um, that you think people may not be paying too much attention to? Well, I think there's one thing that needs to be discussed. Blockchain is not some magical thing that, you know, is like the, you know, molecules of the universe that you can do anything with. I mean, some of the things that people are claiming blockchain can do, frankly, is just lies. I mean, you can't do certain things these guys are saying. Uh, just can't do it. And uh, and so I think that the, the, the situation is, you know... Um, as far as blockchain technologies is concerned, there, there's a lot of things you can do, but not what people say it is. Having said that, as more and more things get developed with blockchain, I think that's going to spread into uh, more and more things in our lives. I, it's applicable towards everything, you know, like, you know, obviously it's a, it's a ledger, a distributed ledger, so it's a historical kind of record of things. But as far as technology-wise, you know, um, I don't see you know blockchain being used to create you know you know a you know to to take people to Mars. I, I, I you know maybe some small part of the the, the development process and uh, you know revision of software or, or hardware tracking on a supply chain side could, could be it. But but you know it's not going to be the case of that. But I, I think there's there's a lot of things that make sense. You know recording of personal history is, is a big deal of blockchain. You know, the blockchain can't handle a lot of data right now, uh, but that doesn't mean that all the data has to be on the blockchain. So I think that's, that's eventually going to be uh, something that makes sense because uh, now you can have your data, your personal uh, media, not only available uh, and, uh, and kind of timestamped, I guess, you know, if you could, but on a blockchain where it's verifiable. Because I think in the future, one of the biggest things is, is it real? Did that event actually happen? Did that person actually exist? You know, uh, and and we're getting to a point to where, you know, uh, you know, CGI and, and 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 virtual reality is is almost good enough to create content where you can't distinguish whether or not that person ever existed, uh, or that event ever happened. So I think you know, in cases of law, uh, you know, debate, uh, you know, like uh, lawsuits or or, or even. You know anything? We we can now kind of, you know, um, I guess, validate reality with blockchain if that makes any sense. Yeah, create a record, put it on the record somewhere. <laughs> yeah, if you're not on a blockchain, you don't officially exist. You yeah, know? there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Better hop on board soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that, I think that's a great place to stop. I want to thank you so much for coming on. I uh, know I think Vcoin Mall launches July 31st, is that right? That's correct. Okay, so I encourage you guys to check that out. Um, you know, you can look up sparklecoin.com, pretty easy. Uh, any other announcements or links you want people to check out? Um, you know, just sparklecoin.com and vcoinmall.com uh, are the two right now. Uh, we have a lot of uh, new uh, announcements coming out with some pretty interesting things. and. Partnerships, but uh, we have a huge one 
uh, that we hope to get out in the next uh, three to six months. So uh, look for that on uh, sparklecorn.com. Well, that's really exciting, and uh, we'll repost any new and exciting announcements so everyone can see. Uh, with that, thanks so much, Victor. Great. And thanks a lot, Mark. We'll be back sometime soon with a few more episodes for you guys. Still scheduling those. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. All right. Thank you.